Welcome to Marketing Mistakes and How to Avoid Them. I'm Stacey Jones, the founder of influencer marketing and branded content agency, Hollywood Branded. This podcast provides brand marketers a learning platform for top experts to share their insights and knowledge on topics which make a direct impact on your business today. While it is impossible to be well-versed on every topic and strategy that can improve bottom line results, my goal is to help you avoid making costly mistakes of time, energy, or money, whether you are doing a DIY approach or hiring an expert to help. Let's begin today's discussion. Welcome to Marketing Mistakes and How to Avoid Them. Here's your host, Stacy Jones. Welcome to Marketing Mistakes and How to Avoid Them. I'm Stacy Jones. I'm so happy to be here with you all today. I want to give a very warm welcome to Brett Garfinkel, who's the co-founder and CEO of the measurement firm Silo, a third-party analytics source for social marketing, who's joining us to discuss his over 25 years of experience in working in digital and influencer marketing. Brett is a media sales and strategy executive with extensive experience in driving revenue in both established and startup organizations. He helped to pioneer the brand integration revenue model within the digital video space, has spent most of the last five years concentrated on social media video and influencer marketing, and quite a bit of time working on establishing a third-party standardized measurement source for influencers. Today, we're going to talk about understanding the current state of influencer marketing, the misconception of bots, and the role they play in the realm of digital marketing and fraud. And we're going to learn what's worked from Brett's experience, what maybe could be avoided if you're doing this yourself, and where other brands are missing the mark. Brett, welcome. How are you, Stacey? Thank you for uh, having me. I really appreciate the time. Yeah, I'm super excited to have you here today, Brett. I know you and I were talking a little bit before this podcast, and you have already, I know, a ton of valuable advice to give to all of our listeners today. I have no doubt. So you've been actively monetizing brand partnerships through a variety of digital platforms for branded entertainment and integration these last several years. Can you share a little bit more about your background, where you were at, and what got you to where you're doing what you're doing today? Sure. Well, to keep it simple, I'm a media sales executive. I've been doing it for close to 25 years now. I started uh, as a, an uh, analyst in television, but I spent most of my early years in print uh, back when people were reading magazines a lot. <laughs> and uh, I, was, I moved in around 2004 into live streaming content, uh, video content. And uh, that's odd to say it because it's so active now. But yes, in 2004, when broadband maybe had about 13 million people, uh, I was part of a, a group called Mania TV Network, and it was live streaming video content. And we were the first to integrate brands into original uh, digital video content that was live. And we ended up working with almost every brand and celebrities had shows. And it gave way to uh, companies like My Damn Channel and Ripe TV and then um, uh, then a lot of the other video companies followed this, and then eventually YouTube, and everything then moved into the uh, YouTube environment, um, which was what we call the MCNs, multi-channel networks. And it's funny because today when we think of influencer marketing, we talk about Instagram so much, and yet we forget that it was only about three years ago that 90% of the video views across all the different social platforms were taking place on one platform, and that was YouTube. And that's where the macro influencer really came to light. And uh, we saw billboards in New York and L.A. of all these YouTube creators. And they had fantastic talent. They, they were covering areas like beauty and gaming and uh, music and comedy. And then it started to shift to the other platforms. And now Instagram just took over with the, the growth of the micro influencer and celebrity influencers as well. 
and now moving into nano influencers, people who have like one to 5,000 followers. Uh, it spread into Facebook as well a little bit and Twitter too. And we're seeing other, uh, uh, other platforms that are growing. And uh, I don't think it'll be limited to just the, the big four right now. Um, and uh, so I, I've experienced the growth working with brands as they integrate into uh, all these different forms of media. And what happened was I was doing the content deals. I was representing the brand and the creator and merging them together. Uh, but we realized for the first time in my career that there was no third party measurement or verification in influencer marketing, unlike TV, who has Nielsen and uh, magazines. Back in my day, we had uh, ABC statements, we had um, MRI, um, and then you moved into digital video. We had Comscore uh, measuring website traffic, and most recently, uh, which we need to emulate was what happened with the programmatic video buying, which was uh, Moat and companies like Double Verify, Integral Ad Sciences. So here we are with influencer marketing. It starts off experimental, and then next thing you know, it blows up really fast across platform, and everyone's head is spinning. People are overwhelmed. They don't know who they should be working with. They don't know if the performance is working or not. Everyone is, the dynamic is self-reporting. So you pay me to do an execution and I tell you how well it did. You realize how ridiculous that sounds, but that's what the industry is up to this point. So I, I think uh, my career has gone through a lot of stages and this was a little shift for me to put more of an emphasis on the data side. It fascinated me. And uh, we started this about over three years ago. And uh, where we are today is going to shake up the entire industry for all the participants. And when I say participants, it's important for everyone to know the players in this influencer marketing world are the brand marketers, the creators, the talent managers representing the creators, and then the vendors who are selling the third, you know, first party vendors for selling these packages together. So that leads me to where we are today. <laughs> very good. And you've managed to found a business that very specifically is going to help measure and provide all of those analytics for Silo. Yeah, well, you know, you have to look, when you look at an industry, you have to understand what are the problems that we're, we're facing right now. And the key problems are there's ad fraud taking place. There's a lack of data transparency. There's issues with compliance and privacy. And then there's self-reporting, as I recently mentioned. And there needs to be someone to solve this, and that's what Silo was built to do. But it has to be done the right way. So you could look at each area, and we could dive in if you like. But a hot topic right now is this focus on bots. You've heard of this, right? I absolutely have. I'd love for you to explain <laughs> them to a little bit more to our listeners. Sure. So to everyone out there, I, I'm, I'm begging you to pay attention to this one part more specifically than anything else. It, it's a misconception. Um, it, it kind of was a distraction to what people should have been focusing on. Bots exist. Um, we understand this, but everyone has bots. Okay. Um, there's a, a, a common misconception 
it's not an exact science and it's acutely inaccurate. Okay, they're omnipresent. You can't automate blocking on following of bots. Okay, so bots will follow an account without being purchased or gained through inorganic means. Um, as I mentioned, everyone has it. It's just unavoidable. And but reality is they're empty, unsubstantial metrics. And so let me give you a great example. Let's play a game really quickly, Stacey. So let's imagine where um, you're a, a beauty product. Uh, you could be L'Oreal, Estee Lauder, whoever it may be, Unilever, and you're looking to work with um, a social media influencer on Instagram, and you've narrowed it down to two. They have the same type of content. You like them both, um, but you can only pay one of them. And let's say that uh, they both have 10 followers. Just play along. Keep it simple. They both have 10 followers. Now, what if someone comes out and says, I could tell you for a fact that Person number A, 50% of their followers are bots. So five out of the 10 are fake, okay? All right. Person B, out of the 10, 20% are fake. So two out of the 10 for person B are fake. Five out of the 10 for person A, two out of the 10 for person B. Who do you think you are going to give your money to based off of that data? Mm. Just your go-to would be to go with someone who seems to have less fake followers. Exactly. So person B would get the business based on what everyone is speaking about today and companies that are trying to say, I could tell you what the bot percentage is of these people. Now let me give you one more bit of insight. What if I told you person A, the five who are real, remember 50% are fake on this person, but the five who are real are highly active. Every time this person talks about beauty, they are fully engaged, whether it's a branded post or, or not. Okay, while person B, where 20%, two of the 10 are fake, the eight who are real, only two are really active, engaged when this person is covering uh, beauty content. Right. The other six came on because this person did a giveaway, what we call a loop, and uh, they, they wanted to win whatever was there, and they followed the person to be, uh, have the opportunity to get that prize, if you will, but really aren't fully engaged. So who now is the more effective buy for you? Is it person A who had more bots or person B who had less, but doesn't have as many active follow, you know, engagement? Sure. You'd want to go it, with it, it would be person with, A. Right. With right. better engagement. So Exactly. So really what you're buying is effective engagement, effective reach. That is going to be the currency for influencer marketing moving forward. And, and right now we're just distracted by this whole bot percentage and people are trying to take a shortcut to solve it. So you might read about these vendors who are first party reporting, trying to create fraud detection and brands who would say, I want to be able to push a button and see who has fraud. You can't do that. It's inaccurate. It's not, it's not realistic. What is realistic is understanding abnormalities, understanding actually the, the relationship between the creator and its audience, the audience growth, the growth of uh, engagements, to know that there is typically a natural pattern within Instagram that takes place in a 24-hour span of time from when the post is first uh, placed. And 
the abnormalities will then direct to actually understanding if fraud is taking place or not, or to some degree where there may be fraud. It's very difficult to pinpoint and know exactly what type of fraud is taking. But you can see when things are just out of order and unnatural. And that's where the detection goes. It's fraud detection. And it's not about bot percentage and things of that nature. So the industry is going to learn this and, and, and grow uh, to look at the right type of data. And uh, that's, that's really where we're heading this. It's about education. So really what I would say to any creator is it's about effective reach and effective um, engagement. Think of your audience that way. Connect with them that way. We don't even tell people not to use loops. We understand the giveaways. But people who are doing it with every other post, who are abusive with it, if you will, it's just creating like an EKG that goes up and goes down and goes up and goes down. And it's not an accurate portrayal of your audience and your relationship. And I can't tell you how many times creators come to me and the first question is, how do I grow my followers? See, there's a belief that the more followers you have, the more money you'll make. And that, that's part to blame of the brands because people were ignorant, believing that every single follower was actually engaging with this person's content. When in you know, reality, it could be anywhere from 10 to 20% of that number is actually highly engaged. How do you so, suggest yeah. pricing then? So, you know, there's the issue with, you know, CPM based, right? CPM doesn't exactly mm-hmm. work with influencer marketing, but no, it's the no. best way that many have found to at least be able to say, okay, apples to apples, oranges to oranges, even though there's really no comparison because you have a whole basket of fruit. Um, <laughs> with that, you know, if you're saying the bots don't matter, right, to disregard and that you really should be looking at engagement, so how many likes you have, how many shares you have, how many comments you have um, to that really core audience. You know, going back to your earlier example, those five people who are super engaged, you know, that influencer is obviously more valuable to the brand versus the two followers who are highly engaged. But how do you systemize it enough so that you can come up with metrics that makes mm-hmm. sense when actually trying to put dollars to this and saying, okay, this is what is worthwhile um, to spend on an influencer. Sure. Well, first of all, that's the importance of having third-party measurement. You need, you need one standardized measurement source. Mm-hmm. Think about it on television. If you're uh, Coca-Cola and you're advertising on CBS and NBC and Fox, and they all say, we have the best analytics, but they're delivering different analytics from each other and what they're emphasizing and overanalyzing would just confuse you. You don't have benchmarks. Benchmarks have to be placed. Okay. And so it's very important to understand the use of third party measurement to deliver the means to monitor and analyze the health of not just an influencer's content, but also to understand uh, branded content benchmarks and content category benchmarks, understanding the average performance when someone talks about any subject. So think of yourself, think of anyone who's listening right now. In the course of the year, think of your group of friends and imagine that's like your followers. And over that course of year, you're covering a lot of different subject matters. You might talk about travel, fitness, fashion, beauty, relationships, uh, family, 
you don't have the same influence on every subject matter. And use other mediums. When Oprah Winfrey invited Dr. Oz and Dr. Phil on her show, people did not think Oprah Winfrey, they did not associate her with health and wellness. But now she went into that topic. Now, if the Nielsen ratings went down, we would have known, we would not be talking about Dr. Oz and Dr. Phil now, but they went up, which led advertisers to say, wow, this audience is interested in this subject matter. If I'm a brand trying to target this, that type of audience, I should be advertising here. And the producers said, well, this audience is engaging with this type of topic. There's a value here. Let's give them their own show. And that all came from the Nielsen ratings and understanding that third-party independent source measurement. The way we're going to, you don't have ROI established immediately. Anyone who tells you, I could give you an ROI, they're, they're just misleading. It's, it's a, a BS term right now to make someone think that they bring immediate value. The value right now is performance. You have to get one thing right. And what people are going to be paying for, first and foremost, is understanding the verified data. You have to receive the right data, reach and impressions. I'll just use that as an example. Right now, the people who are reporting reach and impressions, I mean, that's a common data point, wouldn't, wouldn't you say? When you do it, a campaign, that's a, right. A hundred percent. Well, yep. right. So let me just tell everyone in the world listening here, you cannot see the verified reach or impression data unless that creator has consent authenticated in. And they are signed up as a, uh, for impressions uh, as a business account through Facebook. You will not see that. So anyone who's reporting that is making it up. We actually saw one of the more popular first-party vendors. Uh, I'll leave their name out of it, but they reported to a brand over, I think it was 600% uh, of the accurate actual impression count that we pulled directly from the private authenticated API. So what's going to happen in terms of pricing? It's all going to start with first uh, gathering the right data. And then from that point, you're going to have an industry standards of what people are delivering in terms of effective reach, effective engagement. And then the value kind of like the CPM is going to be associated to that number, not by the follower account. It doesn't happen overnight. Right now, brands are negotiating the contract separately. Um, a, a brand once said to us, there are five things taking place in their, in, in their office. Number one, sourcing. Tell me who I should work with. Number two, contracting with those creators. Number three, executing the actual uh, uh, post. And then there's four and five, tracking and measuring. Whoever does one through three cannot be doing number four and five. Do we agree on that? If you are telling me who I should work with, if you are contracting with them, if you are doing the execution, you have a horse in the race. You can't be the one then measuring. You can't be grading your own homework. You, that's like you and I starting a, a restaurant, cooking the food, serving the meal, and then writing our own Yelp reviews. You can't have that. So, so what's happening is, the people who are pricing everything right now are doing the one through three. And, and that's fine. That's going to maintain itself however they're doing it right now. But what's going to happen is the tracking and performance, gathering and measuring, that's going to be attributed to that pricing 
is going to be different than what they're self-reporting. It's going to be accurate. It's going to create more trust and confidence in the space. And when there's more trust and confidence, you know what happens? More money comes into the space. So this is beneficial to all the players who are involved. The, the brand marketers, the creators, the talent managers, even the vendors. You want third-party measurement because it brings accountability, it brings confidence, and definitely better efficiencies. When people start realizing what's working and what's not working, you won't have as many one-offs. And if you talk to a lot of creators, they'll tell you, yeah, I got paid by a brand this one time and that was it. What they want, they should want, is to become ambassadors. So you work with a brand, but if you deliver, you want to work with them again, maybe get paid a little bit more, and so on and so forth, and work for a larger contract. Well, the only way the brand's going to feel confident doing that is if they have verified data from an independent source that is showing the effectiveness of this collaboration. And, and that's what we do. Okay. And it's hard. I mean, it's definitely hard for those agencies that are out there and the brands that are out there. I mean, without an analytics tool, what you're faced with is you're looking at that influencer's overall reach. You're looking at how many people actually chimed in and shared, commented, or liked. And you're pretty much stalled out there because you're not able to see the numbers that are going beyond that and, and seeing where those further shares are actually extending into and understanding the metrics of that. And what you're left with is only able to judge a campaign based on, okay, is there traffic that went to my website, which is a horrible way to judge a campaign? Are there sales yeah. that actually result right from this, uh, you know, immediate pull the trigger influencer posted about gummy treats for their hair and products, you know, flew off the shelves, which is every brand, uh, every brand's dream, but not the reality of how influencer marketing works as well. So exactly. what you're saying yeah. is you really are just trying to come up with a solid metric that's utilizing sources that people don't have the ability to get no matter how much digging they do in order to at least be able to evaluate the true measurement of how many people were exposed to your content and reacted to it. Yeah, you know, let's look at it as the players who are involved. You're, you're a brand marketer. If there's anyone listening here who's a brand marketer, um, there, there are typically three things you want to accomplish when you're paying an influencer. And by the way, if anyone's an influencer listening, this is beneficial to know as well. A brand marketer, three things. Number one, I want to know that the person I'm doing business with, that there is not fraud. There's no ad fraud taking place. And for everyone out there, maybe if you read articles about it, it just happened here in New York City. The, the attorney general uh, labeled it. Um, illegal to be purchasing um, engagements and things of that nature. And they found it especially troubling uh, because the high visibility of influencers today and how their opinions can, can translate into changes in viewers' opinions and spending habits and things like that. So there's fraud taking place. You're a brand marketer. You want to make sure that, that you're being protected from that. Number two, you just want verified, accurate, measurement data. Straightforward, the right impression number, whatever I am evaluating as a KPI, key performance index, what is most important to my marketing team or my client, my brand, I want to get that verified directly from the private API. I don't want someone who's taking it, scraping it, 
creating their own little process or things that they're just making up. Okay. And then last, I just want intelligence on how to do it better. Just like anything in life. If you gather, you know, you go on a date one time, your first date ever, you don't know what you like. You just kind of like start filtering, but you go on 300 dates, you start getting a better idea of what you're filtering down to what really matters to you, what's important. So you look at anything once, it's hard to build a strategy off of that. It could have been timing, it could have been luck. But if I look at any outcome 50 times, 100 times, 1,000 times, a million times, I'm going to see patterns of recognition. I'm going to understand things that are working and things that are not working, and it will help me do uh, my job better. So those are the three areas. Uh, protect me from fraud, give me accurate performance metrics from a third party, not from the person I am paying. That is so important here. I don't care who you are, how great your analytics might be in your mind. If I am paying you to do something, you can't tell me how well you did it. I need an independent source to do that, who has nothing, no horse in the race, uh, nothing to gain or lose from it. And then last, I want intelligence to do it better. If you're a creator, you want that good housekeeping seal of approval. You want to be able to tell every brand out there that, that I'm being monitored for fraud and I'm, I'm good to go. I am safe. You don't have to worry about me. You also want to see the same data that the brands are seeing. It's mutual transparency. You don't want to be operating in the dark here. And last, you want to be able to control your data. And this is very important. This is where privacy and compliance comes into play. Everyone heard about what happened with uh, you know, Facebook and um, Cambridge Analytica and, and how it shook uh, a lot of people thinking someone's taking their data. But what's happening right now is 90% of the companies that exist in this space are scraping. They're taking private data without consent, okay? And that is now with the new terms of service that came out with Instagram, I think in August last year, that this is a clear violation of this, okay? And we are GDPR compliant. We are built privacy by design. The creator has to authenticate and allow permission for the brand to see what they, well, their, their posts that they're paying for. That's it. That's what they have a right to see, and most creators would say that. A brand has a right to see what they pay for, but they don't have a right to see everything else. That's private, private to that creator. Same thing with their talent managers. They have to offer them permissions to have access to their data to better sell those creators to brands, but they have to get the permission from the, the creator. So people right now are using, there's three ways to collect data from a creator. There's the public, what we call the API and all the social platforms. It's very limited. It doesn't give an offer enough information. There's also rate limitations, meaning you could only ping it and gather that information so many times. It's unsustainable and with a growing number of influencers. And so you're really not seeing, you know, most of the activity on Instagram happens in the first 24 hours. If you're seeing everything every 48 hours, you're missing the game. It's like in sports analogy, you're, you're seeing the final score, but not actually seeing what happened during the game, why your team won or lost. And, and so those people are not in the position to really monitor uh, correctly in real time. The other way is people are scraping data. And this is a clear violation, as I mentioned. And this is happening all over. And, and creators uh, should want that cleaned up. 
because people are taking their information, processing it, and affecting their earning potential without their consent. The last way is the right way. It was a way no one wanted to do because they thought it would bottleneck. Creators would never do it. And that's authenticating it. But you have to provide something for the creator in return, which we are building uh, with them. And we've worked for three years with a lot of the top talent agencies and creators to do this the right way. And you have to give them back data to help them understand their audience, their relationship, what type of content's working. You know, if you're a creator and you're doing content on beauty and travel and talking about your pet and you find out that your audience just is not responding when you talk about your dog for some reason, you're not going to keep doing that. That type of data will help your content strategy. So we, we realize the mutual relationships here and the, trans, the need for mutual transparency, trust, and accuracy of campaign measurement and performance. That has to be the language that all the participants, the talent managers, the vendors, the creators, and the brand marketers speak. Just like with television, it's Nielsen and so on and so forth. And that's what we're bringing to this space. And I believe when people understand what's wrong and the, the do's and the don'ts of influencer marketing, everything's going to move along and you're going to see a lot more money coming into the space, which is beneficial to all parties. Typically in the history of ad media buying, the implementation of third-party measurement ignites the space. And, and that's what we have to look forward to and get excited about. But we all have to participate. The brands, the big brands, the leaders, um, the, uh, the, the, the big vendors, um, they have to understand that it's not their job to be supplying the measurement and reporting. Um, and then the creators and their talent managers. And from doing so, it will benefit the entire industry. And have you heard of some of the horror stories where influencers have opened up and shared a password to their uh, platform and then had that brand so they could actually have insider insight take over and run with it and steal with it, steal it because it was actually a fraud system in the first place. Mm -hmm. Yes. It's, it's happening to, that's what we're talking about. That's almost the scraping, uh, um, that's taking place. That's why with our company, we built uh, creator permissions. Mm-hmm. So basically everything runs through, through the creator. We are collecting the data for them. And this is the most amount of data you could possibly get other than directly from the platform itself. And just remember, Facebook doesn't have Google's data and Google doesn't have Facebook and Instagrams and they don't have Twitter's data. Everyone has their own API. So the idea is to really, we're working with that. This is beneficial for the platforms. It's doing it the right way. It's GDPR compliant. Um, if, if people don't understand what that means, it's a general data protection regulation. It's, it's in the um, guidelines for the collection and processing of personal information uh, within the European Union, the EU. And it's now affecting us in the U.S. And I think the U.S. is going to adopt, um, adapt similar policies. Um, but yes, it's privacy by design. What it means is if you're the creator, think of LinkedIn and Instagram. I could have a private account on Instagram. You ping me to request access to see my pictures. I see who you are, who's asking for it, and then I could allow access to it. LinkedIn is very similar. And there's different levels of access I could allow people on LinkedIn. 
that's what's going to happen here with creators. Creators have their data. Brands will have to ping them and invite them into their queue for a campaign if they're contracted. The creator will understand it and allow it. But what they're allowing the, the brand is to only see what they paid for, those posts, the performance of those posts, okay? Then if the brand wants to maybe work with the creator down the road on something, a new category, like we're doing a travel piece, but we don't know whether you do travel content, the creator will have access to travel data, how they do, that they could share. It's verified data. It's not their own. It's directly from Silo. And, uh, and if it helps contracting, that's what's going to happen in the future. But first and foremost, their data is their own. Their talent managers, the brands, they allow them permissions to access just that bit of information. For their talent managers, if they want their talent manager to have access to all of their data to see what they're seeing, they could do that. That will help the talent manager sell them better. It will also give the talent manager access to that same campaign so they could go back to that brand and say, hey, look, I know my client just really did a wonderful job on this. Let's talk about renegotiating a new contract or making them an ambassador. So it's privacy by design. It's, it's GDPR compliant. There is no scraping. It's authenticated data. It's beneficial to the creator 10 times over because it's going to allow them to see their data for real. It's also going to help them develop better relationships with brands. And uh, really, it's also going to separate the pretenders from the, the, the players. There's a lot of people claiming right now everyone could be an influencer. That's not true. Anyone could be a creator. But not everyone can be an influencer. And uh, so what we're going to really narrow in on, the people who are truly uh, have engaged audiences, have valued the value of that relationship, and, and more confidence in that. And so it's going to shape what this industry right now is just operating almost like the wild, wild west. It's very experimental. We'll try this. We'll do this. But no one really knows what's working and what's not working. Well, that's all going to be changing now. And it's going to be changing the right way through trust and transparency and verified uh, measurement. And with Silo in uh, particular, are you all yourself up to be a influencer platform where you know, brands are also going to be able to source and find influencers or is it only no. metric reporting? Yeah. So I, I can't tell you how many brands come to me and the first thing they say is, hey, can you tell me who to work with? The minute I do that, as much as I want to help everyone, the minute we do that, we, are, we, we have a horse in the race. And that is every first party out there. I can name all these companies. And God, I, I love them all, like the ones who aren't scraping data, first and foremost. But there's a lot of companies out there. It's oversaturated. Um, but they all use, you know, I use Watson to help source. or I use, But they have an algorithm to help the sourcing. And that algorithm is taking data without the consent, most likely, from these creators and putting them into a position that affects their earning. That's why that's a violation of Instagram's terms of service. And we don't play in that game. Now, in the future, there could be a marketplace where they're just communicating the brands and the creators and it could evolve into that. But that's not something we are looking at now we are not sourcing, we are not contracting, we are not executing. 
I don't compete with any of the companies that do that. If anything, they're my clients. I am there to track and measure as a third party with accurate information that all of them will be able to see and better collaborate moving forward. So I, you know, we, we have to keep that separate. Um, I'm sure you understand that. Is, sure. that. is that pretty, is that clear? Yeah. So look, that it, we're, by the way, we're not doing anything new here. This has existed. I've heard stories. I remember when uh, video programmatic started and a lot of those companies, when, when, you know, they were self-reporting and it wasn't until fraud happened in that space. And fraud was you ever go to a website and you scroll down below the fold and then there's a video that's playing on autoplay. Well, they counted you as a viewer, even if you never scrolled below the fold. And once the, the, the media ratings council and, and big agencies like group M caught wind of this, they said, uh, uh-uh, this is not going to fly. I need viewability guarantees. I need measurement from a third party, not from the people, Bright Roll, Yumi, uh, Spot Exchange, um, Tremor, all these companies that were supply side. So those companies are similar to in the influencer space, Maverick, Creator IQ, Hyper, um, Speaker, uh, Tracker, uh, um, uh, uh, Influential, all of them. They are equivalent to in the video programmatic what Spot Exchange, Yumi, Bright Roll, and uh, Tremor were. But then came along Moat, and Moat was the third party for programmatic. They verified viewability, and that became the currency of programmatic. You're paying for viewability, and they were there to guarantee it. Okay, well, we, in the vein of Moat and Double Verify, we are that for influencer marketing. So we are not an agency. I, you know, we are a platform. We are the third party measurement and fraud detection platform. We are built for the uh, brand marketers to satisfy those three areas we talked about earlier. They want to be protected from ad fraud. They want third-party verified data, and they want intelligence to do it better. And then at the same time, we create products for the creators that allows them to see all of their data, also to understand their relationship with their audience and show them that you know if fraud's taking place, that they're being monitored, to show the brands that they are being monitored, that they are safe. They are willing to go and participate. They have nothing to hide from this. And then, you know, last for the talent managers and the vendors to better operate by understanding the same data that the brands are going to see. So this is nothing new. This has happened over and over again with every form of media. Every time you see an ad in the world, television, on the billboard, on the website, in the magazine, just know that there's a media buyer in that scenario, there's a media seller, and then there's a third party to verify the performance. And that's that's what Silo is for influencer marketing. And we might as well just lead right into this right now. If someone wanted to learn more about Silo, how find out about it? What's the website? Sure, well, <laughs> go to meet, M-E-E-T, silo s-y-l-o dot com uh and play around with it you'll see we built it to answer questions for marketers and also answer questions for creators um i would suggest to anyone touching influencer marketing think of it this way in a given year 365 days in the year find one hour one hour you talk to us we'll cover everything and answer every single question we'll show you 
how it works. We ask everyone to participate. This is how you move third party. We are working with the largest brand agencies. We're working, collaborating with World Federation of Advertisers. These are all people who want the same thing. They want to uh, create a, a more uh, confident, uh, transparent, safe environment uh, because they understand that this, this works. People are watching less television commercials. We all know that. We're streaming more. We're using our DVR. They're not reading magazines as much. Websites have ad blockers. I mean, you remember that first time you went on the internet and everything popped up. Well, every year they've had pop-up blockers and then other ad blockers, and they're cutting in 55% more and more every single year. Well, where are the ads going? Well, they go where they don't get blocked, and that is social media and uh, integrated content uh, influencer marketing. But if it's going to go there, we need regulation. And if we get it, I'm telling you the television dollars, there's about $70 billion that is just sitting there that is what we call gettable in the industry. And it's going to go to better use because they're going to be able to measure everything, not samples, not surveys, but literally every single view experience is going to be measured and it's going to help brands understand what's working and what's not working. And it's a very, uh, you know, viable use. We talked before we jumped on the phone about the, uh, the fire festival documentary. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I, I think I tell everyone right there that, that that short documentary showed you two sides of influencer marketing. Number one, it works. I don't want to hear anyone say this doesn't work. Trust me. Look at your friends. Look how people are engaged. They're fully engaged and it's only going more and more, but it's jumping in different platforms. You know, there's other platforms that we'll be talking about down the road, more like Twitch, the gaming network. Um, and so it works in that sense, but then we saw the other side. There needs to be some form of regulation. It's not the Gestapo. It's not, it's not the, the policing. It isn't. This is to benefit creators. It's also to benefit the brand marketers to help understand. It's not giving someone an edge and taking someone's private information to be used to make money elsewhere. This is absolutely nothing to do with that. It's the right way to do it. It's showing the right amount of information, but it's done by consent and permissions. So the, again, creator offers permissions to the brand to see what they paid for. Think about that. You pay for something, you should have every right to see how it performed, but you don't have the right to see how someone else's stuff performed and everything else. And as we collect this data and information, the machine learning, real machine learning, will help us understand ROI. It'll take us to a pathway to return on investment. It does not happen in day one. Think of it like a dimmer switch of a light. It slowly moves us in that direction. Right now, we are absolutely not we're heading in the wrong direction. We're focused on bots and the wrong information. But as we get the right players in, the bigger brands who we've been working with, the larger agencies, it trickles down. It's a very herd mentality, the advertising world. Once you start reading about more the right way, other people start doing it because they don't want to be the one company that's not doing it. And so it'll slowly move in that direction and you're going to see better efficiencies and uh, uh, confidence in, in the space. I'm excited about that. I, I think uh, anyone out there uh, who's using influencer marketing or who is an influencer should be excited to participate in this. 
Well, it also allows you, I mean, there's really two measurements that we look at when we're working with brands. You know, the first is, you know, you touched on it many times, the creator, right? They're creating content mm-hmm. just like yeah. your in-house agency would do, just as your social coordinator would do, just as your production company would do. So there's a value and a price tag there that really ultimately needs to become, you know, somewhat more um, averaged out because I think there's a big dichotomy of someone creating the same content, whether they have 5,000 followers versus 500,000 mm-hmm. followers, there's that place into it. And then there's what you're talking about that Silo is going to specialize in and really helping marketers understand is where that content was seen and the impact of that content overall in order to be able to come up with a true pricing system. Because as you also mentioned, influencer marketing is so wild, wild west. There is nothing more wild west than influencer marketing right now out there in any form of advertising tactic that I can think of. And everyone's approaching it where they have best intentions and not necessarily all the knowledge to really put together, you know, a a true benefit for both the creator as well as the brand in the long run. Absolutely. You're dead on there. Look, I, I, I think anyone out there um, who is uh, looking at um, this space, uh, say, say writers, uh, people who are engaging with um, vendors, ask them first, most important question, how are you collecting the data? Okay. Is this, is this data collection? Uh, is this compliant? Um or is it, are they collecting it illegally? Are they, are, sorry, not the word illegally. Are they violating terms of service? Are they scraping it? No one's asking that question right now. And it needs to be asked. So when you're working with a vendor, I, I've seen scenarios where people ask me about certain vendors and their tagline is, we'll grow your impressions. Well, how do they know what number the impressions are if they're not getting authenticated data, which they aren't? That way they don't have access to that data. I know for a fact, the only way you see impression data on Instagram is if they are authenticated in the creator and they have a business account set up. So you need both of those things to even see that. And yet how many companies advertise on their website, we help you grow your impressions. They don't even know what the actual impressions are. So I think for any writer out there who's publishing blogs or anything, if you're giving someone the voice, ask them the first question, how are you collecting this data? Are it privacy compliance? Is that in play here? Okay. And then number two, what is your position in this role? Are you a first party? Or are you a third party? Because if you are involved in any of the media buying, then you are, then you are a first party. You are not in position to provide the actual reporting of the metrics and the tracking. And I say this because I've come across articles recently of ad agencies. It's almost like a press release promoting themselves saying, we are working with this vendor to solve, um, you know, third party or solve uh, uh, fraud and everything. And then I look at who the vendor is, and if you could go to their website, end-to-end solution. You can't be an end-to-end solution and be third party. You can't. That's a fact. You can't be the one executing campaigns or sourcing, and someone has an algorithm they use on your platform to find who they should work with, and then at the same time, tell them how it did. So to partner with that person who also is violating the terms of service by scraping data and you're this ad agency gloating that you're working with this firm to solve fraud, it's almost hypocritical. So 
but I think they're not doing it intentionally. They just don't know this has happened. So it's our job to educate everyone. I don't want to do a sales pitch. I want to sit down with anyone who actually cares about this and just have a conversation and take them through what we're talking about today. The way to collect data, the proper way, verified data, how the, you know, what the data accuracies, um, to understand compliance and privacy, and, and, and just the uh, intelligence and a pathway to ROI, how that is attainable. And, and this is all ready to happen. I, I've always, we've always dreamed at our company being on panels with all these other vendors. And we know a lot of these people having worked in video for many years, but to sit there and have them talk about data and analytics and just say, but you're selling, you're fighting for media dollars. You can't be in position to do this. And, um, and that became, that's an issue. We have to have that third party measurement installed and then the methodology of how that third party is collecting the data and reporting the data back and who they're reporting it to. That's what we have to evaluate. So I say for us, it's an open book to any creator, account manager, vendor, or even uh, and brand marketers. Ask that question of us, challenge us, or put us in a room with the other people who claim to be doing this and ask that question. How are you collecting the data? And, and how are you, what's your methodology in the reporting of it? And are you taking, fighting for media dollars? Are you actually part of the sourcing and any of that? Because if you are, then you are removed from the third party uh, measurement conversation. And Brett, we're gonna wrap up a little bit now because I think we're approaching the time frame. Um, but do you have any last bits of advice to give our listeners today? Let me think about that. Last bit of advice. Last bit <laughs> of advice. Because we're talking to a lot of people. You all are. right. So last bit, believe in influencer marketing. It works. I've worked across all the different platforms. I've, I've worked across all the different mediums, television and print and, and uh, digital just uh, video since 2004, digital video. This works. There's a highly engaged audience there, but right now it's, it's, it's clouded by a lot of inaccuracies and people who took advantage of this, this medium that grew so fast. Think about how fast again. Remember, three years ago, it was all YouTube, and now we're all about Instagram. So it's spinning everyone's heads. Even people who are media executives who've been around forever, they don't know what's up, what's down, what's left, what's right. So what we have to do is participate in the idea of third-party measurement, fraud detection, not bot detection, fraud detection. If you're a creator, the bots are going to find you. You can't worry about that, but do not be very careful, careful of how you're using tools to grow your audience. Uh, you know, loops are fine. We don't frown upon them. If you want to do giveaways, we've seen them work, but don't abuse that. Okay, be smart about your audience. Focus on the content and relating to your cre uh, your audience. Use other platforms to promote, but speak, use them differently. Someone once said to me a long time ago, YouTube was the, was the, the TV show, was the show, okay? The series, if you will. Insta uh, Instagram was kind of like, here's what I'm doing now. Twitter was, here's what I'm thinking now. And I think Facebook was, at that time we were talking about Facebook Live and things of that nature. But 
but really to understand the strength of each platform. Don't just take one post and, and use the same post across all the different platforms. Your audience engages with your content differently across different platforms. So I think that's important from a creator side. Keep posting, post a lot. Let the creators in, see you, be authentic. Your follower count, don't focus as much on that as you're focusing on the real authentic engagement. Get them involved, but, but really, really build your content. And, um, and from a brand marketer side, be responsible, okay? Who you work with, vendors, understand how you know, they do what they do. Understand their process. And always, always implement a third-party independent source whose methodology is accurate, who is GDPR compliant, okay? That is actually not using authenticated data. That is the only way this industry is going to move forward the right way and really, really grow fast, which is beneficial. It's a win-win for everyone. So, you know, brand marketers, creators, the talent managers, take the time to learn this understand this, the value of what's happening right now. Okay, 2018 was the year everyone talks about the problems. We saw it. The World Federation of Advertisers said no more first party reporting, uh, you know, data transparency. We need that, things of that nature. So everyone's talking about 2019, this is the year we start to implement, participate, grow with it, offer insights, offer, you know, suggestions on what's working for you, what's not, and things of that nature, and we grow. 2020 is the year it starts becoming mandated. I firmly believe that's what's going to happen because people are going to say, if I'm contracting with you, you need to be registered into a third party. I need to be able to get third party data. And this is nothing new again. We've already had this in the, in the history of media buying. So don't, for people who have not been exposed to other forms of media, this is just, this is what it is, okay? And it's good. It always ignites an industry. So I, I think participation, ask the right questions, uh, is the most important thing. And, uh, and let's keep doing it. Let's keep growing. It, it's an exciting, I look at it as an exciting time. I hope everyone else does as well. Well, I want to thank you, Brett, again, for joining us today. And I want to thank all of you listeners for tuning in to Marketing Mistakes and How to Avoid Them. Brett's provided a tremendous amount of valuable advice to all of us interested in influencer marketing. And I know I certainly appreciate the time, Brett, you shared with us today. So thank you again. You're welcome. It was a pleasure. 